0: Rebuke, Repentance, and Restoration. This is Job 38 through 42, and you are listening to The Preview. Sorry for missing yesterday. I had a family matter that caused me to have to uh, come in a day late on our podcast for our reading. Uh, But it does work out a little bit in our favor because these two portions, today's reading and yesterday's reading are best taken as one single unit. And this unit has three parts, as I mentioned, rebuke, repentance, and restoration. So we see God show up on the scene in Job chapter 38 uh, after a great deal of talking, mostly between the early chapters in Job, the first you know, chapters one through four. We see the suffering and the loss take place early on. And then there's like so many chapters, it's just chapter after chapter after chapter of of Hebrew poetry, of people saying things uh, to God, to one another, Job and his three friends. And so we see God kind of close out the book in this final section, and he shows up on the scene in Job chapter 38 with a rebuke. And he answers Job in... If you're thinking of what is a central verse to this whole unit 38 through 42 it is what God says in Job 38 verse 2 he approaches Job and says who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge by words without knowledge so Job had said some things that that God considered to be ignorant and God was angry with Job as a result of what Job had said. Now, you may not really remember or notice off the top of your head what exactly Job did or said that caused God to be so angry. Wouldn't you say maybe he should be more angry at Job's friends? Well, we'll see uh, how to answer that in just a moment. But God shows up with a rebuke, and the way he rebukes Job is different Uh, then perhaps he's rebuked other people in the past. He says in the beginning of chapter 38, dress for action like a man, I will question you and you make it known to me. So basically, God explains to Job at the beginning of chapter 38, the way he's going to rebuke him is he's going to ask him a long series of questions that he expects Job to give the answer to. And the answer is not even one that deserves that bare saying. These are rhetorical question answers. He asked the question, and the answer is rhetorically assumed. It's like when somebody says, do you want to do something, and you really want to do that thing, you might say, is the Pope Catholic? Well, of course the Pope is Catholic. Obviously, the answer is yes. So this is what God's going to do as Job's rebuke. And he goes through a number of examples, questions that dictate uh, or demonstrate his power in creation. How much power he has over the earth. He says, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Who shut in the sea with doors? Who made the clouds its garments? Have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused it to know?" Uh, the dawn to know its place? Have you entered into the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Who has cleft a channel for the torrents of rain and a way for the thunderbolts? Has the rain a father? Can you bind the chains of Pleiades or loose the cords of Orion? Those are constellations. So he keeps referring to things he's done in creation. And the answer is always Job somehow answering in the negative? No, I haven't done it, or no, I can't do it. And really, what this is, is on an apologetics level, defending the faith. This is what we uh, we call the fine tuning argument, meaning the God the God of the world created the world in such a way that it was habitable and permissible for human life. So when you study the earth and natural uh, phenomenon, you see things about the earth and its ability to host human life without us immediately dying, uh, indifference to the other planets. You see the fine-tuning of the universe actually being most plausibly explained by a creator, God. And so God, in his rebuke, is pointing to these things to Job. So in, for instance, um, uh, one of my favorite apologists his name is Dr. William Lane Craig and he is he explains the fine tuning argument he says god is the best explanation of the fine tuning of the universe for intelligent life he says in recent decades scientists have been stunned by the discovery that the initial conditions of the big bang the big bang were fine tuned for the existence of intelligent life with such a precision and delicacy that that it literally defies human comprehension of how uh, of the exact fine tuning. He says that fine tuning of the universe is so uh, it, it hangs on such a small thread of balance of whether or not humans would exist or not exist. For example, he says if the if one portion of gravity were altered by as little as one part, by as little in one part in 10, excuse me, one part out of 10 to the 100th power, the universe would not have been life-permitting, and human beings could not have existed on this planet. And so he uses this, and this is an apologetic method that often demonstrates how vital and plausible it is to the existence of the earth that it had a creator and a designer who is God. And so God basically uses all of these facts to say, Job, you have spoken in ignorance. You don't know what you're talking about. You might say, hey, these are my accolades. This is all that I've done. What have you done if you're questioning me? So Job sees what God says. He hears him. He sees the argument being made. And Job repents. Job repents. Uh, Job promises in humility to be silent in chapter 40. And... In chapter 42, as God continues on, basically talking about two beasts, the Leviathan and the Behemoth, explaining how every part of them God created and upholds. In response to that, Job eventually offers his confession and repentance. So Job says, in his response, I know that you can do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. This reminds me of Colossians Uh, chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, where basically Paul says in Colossians that through God all things were created, and in Him all things are being held together. All things were created by Him, and in Him all things hold together. So He created it, and He sustains it. And Job has to look at at the Lord's argument here when he rebukes him and say, "I, I recognize that you can do all things and no purpose of yours can be thwarted. And that is the foundation of Job's repentance. So he repents. He says, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me which I did not know. Therefore I despise myself and I repent in dust and ashes. And so then the Lord uh, rebukes Job's friends also, uh, but at the end, in the very last uh, seven, eight verses of the book of Job, there is a restoration. So the book begins with a, a confiscation of all of Job's blessings. They're all taken away from him, his family, his fortunes. But at the very end, there is a restoration. It says the Lord restored the fortunes of Job, and he had twice as much as he had before. So this is a great example of us for, number one, how we should respond when suffering happens to us. We should know that the Lord is in control, and that he sees all things from start to finish in a way that we don't understand. Secondly, this helps us to understand how we should respond when people around us suffer as well. It says after he is, uh, during the restoration portion of Job's life, it talks about his friends and family. They showed him sympathy and comforted him for all the evil that the Lord had brought upon him. That is our guide to Christians in calamity. Whenever we see people hurting and suffering, sympathy and comfort, being present during that suffering is the best thing that we can do. So, I want us to remember that during this time, during this reading, when we have arrived at this passage, we have here before us in the book of Job an example of how Christians are to react to suffering. Not just suffering that we experience ourselves, but how we should react when those around us suffer. God gives us an example. And he says that we should so, show sympathy and comfort. We should be powerfully present for those who are suffering. There is no special Bible verse we can say that makes it not hurt when someone's loved one passes away, when there's a death in the family, when someone has received a cancer diagnosis. There's nothing that you can say, but there are things that you can do. You can be present. If, if, if something happens, you can bring food to a family. You can give of your time or your resources in some way to alleviate. You can't alleviate the burden of grief and suffering, but you can alleviate some of the other burdens of life that would allow for the Christian, for the person, to grieve and suffer in the right way. And so I I encourage you to look at Job's response to avoid uh, his his decision to call out to God uh, he, you may ask, what exactly did Job say that made God so angry? Well, you know, it, it's kind of hard to, to think about, but all throughout Job's various responses, he basically says, God has viciously attacked me in chapter 16, verse 9 and 4, through 14. He says, I don't deserve what God is doing to me, chapters 9, chapter 9, 17. He says, he multiplies my wounds without cause. In chapter nine, verse twenty-two, he says God is an immoral, an amoral tyrant. In nine twenty-three, God laughs at the suffering of the innocent. Nine twenty-four, God prevents justice in the world. Chapter twenty-one, verses seven through thirty-four, he says that God ignores the cries of the oppressed. So, as a result of the suffering, Job's worldview had worldview had changed. He now sees God as an amoral monster, a horrifying perverter of justice who has created a world. That more resembles a prison filled with the unanswered screams of the innocent. That's how he looked at God as a result of this suffering. And that is why God rebuked him. And so, my encouragement is in our suffering that we not rebuke, that that we not uh, change our view of God just because he is not blessing us either in the way that we think he should or he's not blessing us in the way that we're used to being blessed. The overall question for Job is, do you have a corollary relationship with God where you say, do I love God more because he's given me more blessings so that more blessings, more love, less blessings, less love for God? Or can you faithfully say with Job, though he slay me, yet I will trust him? And that's our question for this passage.